welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Well, hello, America. Anything interesting happened to you last night? <laughs> welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. But before you call in, uh, just, just let me spend a little while walking through everything. Uh, you know, it, it's one thing to get stuff remarkably wrong when you're by yourself, but uh, yes, I got a lot wrong, and everyone did, Democrats and Republicans, uh, both. Uh, the Democrats really did expect doom. Uh, the Democrats really were bracing yesterday. The Republicans really did expect victory. By the end of the night, uh, things were upside down. The Republicans too long didn't read version of this or too long didn't listen. Republicans will take the House of Representatives. The Senate may very well come down to a runoff in Georgia. Uh, Republicans not optimistic about that when given what happened in Georgia last night, the difference between Kemp and Walker, but it's still salvageable potentially. Uh, was there a wave? So do you know what Schrodinger's cat is? Schrodinger's cat is an idea in quantum mechanics that there can be a cat in two states. There can be a live cat and a dead cat. If you look at the cat, the cat is dead. If you don't look at the cat, the cat is alive. Well, when you try to glance to see if the cat is alive, the cat is dead. This election was Schrodinger's election, Schrodinger's wave. Was there a wave? Well, when you look at it, no. When you don't look at it, yes. It was a really good night for the GOP. It was a really bad night for the GOP. They're alive and they're dead, and the same with the Democrats. Now, let me explain. This isn't me trying to do damage control here. This is actually what happened. The wave of the Republican Party through Florida was tremendous, as it was through Georgia, as it was through Texas, as it appears to be in Nevada, where it is looking like Adam Laxalt might pull off a win and Joe Lombardo is going to pull off a win. The blue wave swept through Michigan. They really have dominated that state now. The GOP went all Trump, and the voters in Michigan blew them out of the water. In Virginia and New York, Republicans did well in congressional seats. In Iowa, for the first time in 40 years, the GOP has taken the attorney general seat and crushed the Democrats across the board. In North Carolina, the Republicans have taken the state Supreme Court, they've taken a supermajority in the state Senate, and they've come a vote shy in the state House of a supermajority. That's a wave. The problem for the GOP, however, is that it didn't happen in other states where they expected it to. Rhode Island, too, was close, but no cigar. Abigail Spanberger, the Republicans came close to beating her, but no cigar. Uh, so you're going to have Republicans take the House of Representatives, not with 35 seats, as I and a lot of other people expected. You may have them take it with 10 or 15 seats, putting them in no better position where the, the, where the Democrats are. Florida was the most impressive state of play last night for the GOP. Ron DeSantis won by 20 points. Marco Rubio won by 17 points. Um, what's her name who ran against, um, Marco Rubio? She, Val Demings, she spent about a hundred million dollars, 80 to a hundred million dollars. The race was called when the polls closed. There was a huge night. It's a profound realignment in Florida. What happened, uh, in Florida, Ron DeSantis got 55% of the Hispanic vote. He got the Cuban Hispanic vote. He got the non-Cuban Hispanic vote. 
it was a remarkable, remarkable turnout for Ron DeSantis. Look at what Governor Ron DeSantis does tonight. With Puerto Rican voters, he grows from 34% to 55%. With other Latino voters, we're talking about Colombian Americans, Venezuelan Americans, 34% to 50%. Democrats would love these kind of numbers anywhere, specifically Florida. If Democrats want to learn why they're losing voters to the GOP, they should study the state of Florida. Yes, every group is different. It's not monolithic. But Florida Republicans are doing something right. They're setting up a lot of different uh, locations where they're meeting Hispanic voters where they are. They're on the air in English. They're on the air in Spanish. And any assumptions the Democratic Party has about Latino voters, whether it be about immigration or abortion, they have to sort of get back to the drawing board because they're losing these important voters to their party. And it's not just Florida. It's places like Arizona and Texas as well. You know, uh, Latino voters shifting to the GOP did happen. That was something that we were right about. I'll tell you where things broke down pretty significantly was with the polling of independent voters. It does appear that Republican pollsters skewed the voting averages, so the Trafalgar's of the world. Uh, And the polls that Republicans like to circulate among themselves did skew the polling averages and the trends. Uh, The New York Times polling was actually far better than a lot of the other polling. It wasn't great, but it was better. Um, Independent voters got missed. Here's what I can tell you the data shows. Now we have the actual data. This isn't prognostication. It's not speculation. And it's not poll-driven. It's actually election data-driven. Latino voters did shift to the right. Young black men shifted to the right. Uh, Rich white people shifted more to the left than Latinos and black voters shifted to the right. And Donald Trump played a big role. What about abortion? I should get that one out of the way here. Abortion played a bigger role than I thought it would. I got that wrong. Abortion in a number of states, I said at the margins in deep blue cities and in areas, it would play a bigger role than in swing areas. Actually, swing areas in the north, it played a bigger role than I expected. Swing areas in the south, it did not. It depended on where you were. However, that being said, what was worse for the GOP, abortion or Trump, there are areas of the country in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, in Indiana, in Uh, New York State, in Virginia, where pro-life candidates won who were not Trumpy and pro-life candidates who were Trumpy lost. I mean, the fact of the matter is candidate quality probably mattered way more in this election season because a lot of candidates ran as Trump's candidates who had no background in running for office, didn't really know what they were doing, and they lost. Donald Trump's selection of candidates probably has cost Republicans the Senate. Dr. Oz has lost in Pennsylvania. Uh, John McCormick was running in Pennsylvania. He lost by a tenth of a percent to Dr. Oz after Donald Trump endorsed Dr. Oz. Sean Hannity and Melania Trump pushed um, pushed Trump to endorse Oz. He took their endorsement, ran with it. Uh, Oz, turns out, The voters of Pennsylvania would rather a native vegetable than a transplanted New Jerseyan. People don't like transplanted New Jerseyans. Uh, They'd already elected Fetterman to statewide office before his stroke as lieutenant governor. They were more comfortable voting for him in his present state than they were a, a transplanted New Jerseyan known for selling miracle cures on television. Oz was a bad candidate. In Ohio, J.D. Vance won. Uh, The governor of Ohio, his race was called very early. 
Uh, J.D. Vance's race was called very late. He won. I knew he would win that race. I've been telling you all not to worry about it. Ohio has become a very Republican state at the statewide level. What is notable is that J.D. Vance thanked 34 people who he said were responsible for his victory. Donald Trump was not one of them. In Georgia, every statewide Republican won except Donald Trump's hand-picked Herschel Walker who runs into a runoff now. The Secretary of State's office in Georgia saying they are preparing for a runoff. So what what, what was the big issue? Independent voters. But there's a larger issue you have to understand from the data. Balkanization. I'm assuming you've heard of Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia was a communist nation on the edge of the Adriatic, And it was essentially an amalgamated country forced together under the will of tyrants. When the Soviet Union fell, those countries and ethnic tribes, essentially, that had been free and independent, even under the Austro-Hungarian Empire, decided they wanted to exert their independence. Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia-Herzegovina, uh, Serbia, Montenegro, Macedonia, all of these countries, they wanted to be free. Uh, Kosovo, they all wanted their freedom from the communists. They wanted to be free as independent nations. They had been forced together largely against their will, and this amalgamation stayed. And after the fall of the Soviet Union in the 1990s, they began to break apart, and and war came to Bosnia, Herzegovina, and and Serbia, which tried to hold on to Bosnia. Croatia and Slovenia largely escaped it. Slovenia, by the way, one of the prettiest places on planet Earth. We have become, and the term for that, they're breaking away and becoming separate, sometimes through violence, is called Balkanization because the region is the Balkans. We are balkanizing as a nation. It's happening before our eyes. Everybody who looked at this election got a lot wrong, myself included. Our theories of the race somewhat ignored the independent voters who, it turns out, would rather go for a Democrat they don't like than a Trump-supported Republican. And I know those of you who love Trump, you're going to be dismissive of it and say it was a conspiracy theory or the election was stolen. But time and time again, the pattern around the country shows up the same way. Republicans who were their own man and not perceived as chosen by Donald Trump or Donald Trump's guy won. And Republicans who were Trumpy, they lost. And so the party is going to have to look at that moving forward as it does its deep analysis of what actually happened. It's actually a serious issue the party is going to have to decide. The Democrats have their own problems, one of which is this election went better for any incumbent party in a midterm since 2002 when the Republicans came out on top. The Democrats are still going to lose. They're going to lose the House, and they may still lose the United States Senate. They may just lose both. And they lost some state legislative seats around the country. It was not a good night for the Democrats. But given what the Republicans expected, it is perceived as a good night for the Democrats. 
But it was a bad night for the GOP because the GOP lost seats it should have won because it had bad candidates, inexperienced candidates, and had to spend a lot of money salvaging races. Everyone thought the GOP was going to have a big night. The Democrats did too. That's why the Democrats were pulling money out of D plus seven seats and pouring it into D plus 15 seats. And the spin game started last week. The blame game among Democrats started last week in the press. Nobody saw this coming on either side. The only people who claimed to have seen it coming were the reliable contrarians who are always contrary and occasionally by going against conventional wisdom, get it right. They got it right this time, but that's not because they saw something. It's because they're curmudgeonly contrarians who oftentimes get stuff wrong and play down when they get it wrong. I will tell you this. I've gotten a lot of emails overnight from people saying, oh, you were so confident. You were so confident. You suppressed the vote. No, that's not how this works. I know people think that is how this works. It actually isn't how this works. What actually happened is that the theory of the race for Republicans understated how very much independent voters in this country really do hate Donald Trump. And how so many in blue state, independent voters in blue states went blue. Independent voters in red states went red. We are balkanizing as a country where familiarity of party persuades independent voters. And independent voters in northern states that looked like they would go to the right went to the left because they were more comfortable with the left, even though they don't like them. And this is the most remarkable aspect of this election. The voters do not like either party right now. They don't like either party. So they have handed the Republicans a governing coalition in the House of Representatives that is too small to get anything done and left the Senate too small to get anything done. And so that makes the states more powerful. And the most powerful governor in the nation is the man who just got a majority of the Hispanic vote in Florida and a 20-point win against Charlie Crist. And that puts DeSantis, should at least put DeSantis, as the front runner for 2024. But the Trump team is going to try to take him out now. If the Republican Party can figure that mess out, they do have two years to fix what went wrong in this election cycle. Everybody was surprised in this election cycle. Everybody got it wrong, myself included. We can look at the data now, though, not the polling, but the data, and see what happened. And what we're seeing is it wasn't actually a good night for either political party. The American people are balkanizing. They're fracturing. They are going for their own interests in their own states, and the state's interests are further and further apart from each other, and that's actually not healthy for the country. Let's pause and just talk about what's going on in the country for a moment. We got sky-high inflation. We got runaway government spending. Trust in Washington is completely eroded. When government is this dysfunctional, you got to change the course of the country. You know you have to. That's why I'm excited about the work Americans for Prosperity is doing. They're focused on policy solutions that actually improve people's lives, unlike so many in D.C. who just want to play political football and have power. Americas for Prosperity doesn't just come up with solutions. They act on those solutions. They have the largest network of community activists in the country. They are out there every day talking to millions of their fellow Americans. If you're interested in seeing how you can get started with Americans for Prosperity in your community, visit americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. That's americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K.
Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you got questions or comments, 877-973-7425. I'm going to nip something in the bud first. Spare me the uh, stolen election conspiracy theories. I've already gotten emails from people blaming Dominion voting system machines. There's no evidence of that. Not really any allegations of it. Uh, it's pretty dominant performance in places uh, around the country, including Georgia, where really not a whole lot changed when it came to the voting machines. I'm just I'm I'm not buying the stolen election stuff. Really not. Um, he, no Republicans outside of Arizona are really even complaining about stuff today. Uh, and they won in places they should not have been able to win. For example, uh, this is somewhat breaking news. Sean Patrick Maloney has just conceded in New York. He is the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. So while the GOP barely got the House of Representatives, the man in charge of the Democratic mitigation strategy himself lost his race. He moved to what he thought was a safe Democratic seat, forced out a different Democrat, and has lost it now to a Republican. Okay, to the phones. Tom, you're going to be up first. Welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. How are you? Good. How are you? I am okay. I just wanted to first want to preface it as I'm a Trump guy. I love Trump, but I don't love him to the death of losing again. And so I think there's three things we can look at with this election. Number one is Trump had a bad night and DeSantis just had a monstrous night. I think number two is abortion is a big deal. And we better come up with a unified compromise type of position Otherwise, this is a problem for us. And it's very passionate on the other side. I'm originally from Los Angeles, so I understand how important that issue is. And then number three is I think the media's power to label people as, quote, unquote, election deniers is palpable. And that also works. Oh, definitely. Because what, whether you were someone that just wanted signatures to be verified or have an ID – or you were a full-on conspiracy theorist, you were all lumped in as an election denier. And mm -hmm. that really, really Listen, I, you know, as much as we've all been critical of it, the Democratic strategy of pouring money into Republican primaries to help election deniers, uh, people who cast doubt on the legitimacy of the 2020 election, get the nomination, it worked. Many of them went down in flames in seats they should have been able to win, including Bo Hines up in North Carolina. The holidays are the most exciting time of the year, and if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep every single night. It's easier than it sounds. All you need are the softest, most luxurious organic cotton sheets from Bowling Branch. They're made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They make a difference you can truly feel night after night. I have to tell you, as someone who sleeps on them every night, the more you wash them, the softer they get. And, you know, we've got a very thick mattress, and they actually fit the mattress. The the fitted sheet fits our mattress. It doesn't snap off because of the thickness of the mattress, and it doesn't shrink up either, which is great. Bolin Branch products are made different. You get a great night's sleep, and every time you wash them, you get an even better sleep under even softer sheets. Their signature sheets even come wrapped and are ready in a beautiful holiday gift box. Your gift will look and feel great. It's the unboxing experience they'll never forget. Give the gift of a better night's sleep with Bowling Branch right now. You get early access to their Black Friday sale with my promo code. Get 25% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code is ERIC. The offer ends November 27th.
Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you wish to be a part of the program, happy to take your phone calls. Uh, I want to say just a couple of brief remarks on the Trump situation before I go to phone calls. When you look around the country, it is just objectively true. He can say that, well, only X number of my bajillion endorsements lost. The problem is that uh, when you're endorsing dog catcher and no one is running against the dog catcher, it doesn't really matter. When you're endorsing the United States senator from Pennsylvania and he loses and would not have even gotten his nomination but for you, that sort of matters. And around the country, it was a very unique phenomenon. Donald Trump endorsed and pushed candidates deeply underperformed. Even J.D. Vance in Ohio, who did not thank Donald Trump last night in his victory speech, underperformed. The Ohio governor's race was called within the first hour of the polls closing. It took until after 10 p.m. last night for J.D. Vance to be locked in as the declared winner because he underperformed Republicans in the state with Trump's endorsement. Same thing happened to Brian Kemp in Georgia in 2018. He underperformed in the suburbs because of the Trump endorsement. And now that he's his own man, he crushed it. Same with Ron DeSantis down in Florida. You look at Herschel Walker in Georgia, he ran about nine points behind Brian Kemp statewide and is hobbling into a runoff. Blake Masters and Kerry Lake are down in Arizona. Kerry Lake, I am told, is probably going to pull it out. Nobody's really sure about, about Blake Masters. Time and time again, Trump candidates underperformed other Republicans. In Georgia, Herschel Walker uh, underperformed every single statewide uh, Republican. He's in a runoff, still has the potential to win, but it's going to be very tough. It's going to be very tough for him, given all the dirt that's coming. Donald Trump harms the Republican Party. I will tell you someone who deserves a lot of thanks in somewhat of an odd way. Ken Griffin. Y'all don't know Ken Griffin. I don't know Ken Griffin. Ken Griffin is the head of Citadel, major hedge fund operator. He's a major Republican billionaire donor. And he decided to throw his weight behind DeSantis. Most of the major donors decided to hold off until after the election before making a decision. Griffin, before the election, decided to throw his weight behind Ron DeSantis. That is why Trump behaved so erratically in the last week, suggesting he was going to announce a run for president and the like. In forcing Trump to behave erratically by saying he was going to spend his billions with DeSantis, Griffin did us all a favor. We got to see Donald Trump on a stage in Ohio taking shots at Ron DeSantis before the election. The voters got to see him out there. The independent voters had a negative reaction to him, and they went Democrat. I mean, whether you like Donald Trump or not, you've got to be able to look at the data and and realize that independent voters don't. Another reinforcement of, of 2020 wasn't a stolen election. It was independent voters ready to move on. And the Republicans who moved on won, and the Republicans who did not got beat. Brian Kemp in Georgia is probably the uh, flagship for this. Brian Kemp in Georgia, Donald Trump spent more money trying to beat Brian Kemp than anyone else, including Liz Cheney. And he lost. 
And Brian Kemp, because he was his own man, no longer defined as Trump's guy, beat Stacey Abrams in Georgia by eight points. Abrams is now walking away. And in large part, it is because Brian Kemp ran a masterful campaign in Georgia, unshackled from Donald Trump. He owed Trump nothing. He never attacked Trump's supporters. But he totally ignored Trump and suburban voters who rejected him in 2018 because they thought he was Trump's guy embraced him in 2022. And Abrams actually did concede. I was in the room last night when Stacey Abrams called Brian Kemp and conceded the race and congratulated him. And then she went on stage and spoke to the audience. Thank you. Thank you, Georgia. (laughs) Thank you, Daddy. It is good to be here in this moment, surrounded by your love and support. And let me begin by offering congratulations to Governor Brian Kemp. Our our state has experienced one soul-crushing crisis after another over the past few years. But even during these trying times, the fighting spirit of Georgia has prevailed. We've seen what's possible when we stand up for our neighbors and protect each other. We've made sacrifices. We've pitched in. We've seen each other's fights as our own. And we've done things we never thought we could. It is in the spirit of that endurance and that persistence that I decided again to run for governor. No, 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 no. That that's that's she's not going to run a third time. That was that was part of her speech last night. Uh, she conceded gracefully, and we'll probably hear less from her in the next few years than we will from Beto O'Rourke, my buddy Ben Dominich on Fox News last night. You see Tim Ryan, you see Stacey Abrams, you see Beto O'Rourke. Tim Ryan obviously is a is a quality candidate and has proven himself on uh, the national stage, but Beto O'Rourke and Stacey Abrams have not. And what they have proven is that they can lose elections and that they can waste a lot of money losing elections. On a night like this, when you have what I would describe as a disappointing performance from a number of different uh, Republican Senate candidates, you wonder how much of that money that flowed into Stacey Abrams' coffers and into Beto O'Rourke's coffers could have been better (laughs) used by Democrats in other states. Yes, very much so. Okay, to the phones, 877 Nine seven three seven four two five. Going next to Brian. Brian, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Eric, how are you today? I'm good. So, how are your storm preparations in Florida? Oh, totally good over here. I'm in the St. Cloud area, so we're we're getting ready. We're hunkering down. But uh, I just want to tell you, you're one of my favorite personalities. I'm not a big fan of. I'm not a fan at all. I'm not a Trumper. I am a conservative. I, I'm a right leaning independent. Is the way I like to call it now. I don't recognize this Republican Party the same way that Democrats don't recognize this Democratic Party. But yesterday had to happen. It is time to move forward from Donald Trump. It's okay to support his policies, but the man is a disaster. The man caused the issues that happened yesterday in this election. It should have been a red wave. This could have been a red wave if it wasn't for the endorsement of election deniers because a lot of these endorsements if you did not agree with that the election was stolen trump was not going to endorse you he was not going to support you 
Half these people know that the election wasn't stolen. They're lying out of their teeth. And now they're suffering the consequences. And now this cleared the path for the real nominee of 2024, which, in my opinion, will be Ron DeSantis. Your thoughts? Look, uh, I'm actually going to spend a a good amount of time in the second hour on what happened in Florida with DeSantis because it is pretty significant. There are some parallels to 1998 the Republicans need to take advantage of and and look at. Uh, Brian, first, thank you for the phone call. Uh, Be safe out there with the rain coming. Uh, Number two, let me just say that I I, I, I tend to agree with you on the Trump phenomenon. Now, I realize that people who listen say, well, you just hate Donald Trump. I'm already getting emails from people on that. And I realize that some of you don't, and I don't actually hate him. I just don't think he's a good candidate. We get along fine. I mean, he randomly, well, hasn't in a while, but has randomly called in the past. I just don't think he's a good candidate. He makes it about himself. And in forcing Republicans to deny the 2020 election, it rubbed independent voters the wrong way. I, I, I This is not conjecture at this point. We have the election totals. We have the exit polling of the actual interviews with the actual people who voted around the country. And what we know from the actual interviews of the actual voters who actually voted is they're done with him. They're ready to move on. They don't think it's helpful to linger. They don't like the Democrats. They don't like Joe Biden. But they still don't feel like Joe Biden's going to start World War III on Twitter. That has to matter to you if you want to win. The question is, do you want Donald Trump or do you want to win? And for a long time, the Republican calculus was, well, yes, I want to win, so I must have Donald Trump. And the reality now with the data is if you want to win, you got to find someone who may share his politics but doesn't have his personality. That matters greatly. Jack, you're going to be next on The Eric Erickson Show. Welcome, Jack. Hi, thank you for having me. I, I love your show, by the way. I just want to say that thank off, you. The t- off the top there. You, you, you do a great job. I really, truly believe we. this just proves that we need to still do more of an outreach to all our African-American community. I think we're getting better with the Hispanic community. But we really need to do a, even a more of an outreach. I think Kemp has done a great job. I think DeSantis, without a job, without a doubt, has done a great job. But I still think we need to get more involved in our talking to people and getting into those communities and talking about the, how the conservative values are important to all of them. I really, truly believe that. Yeah, I know look, you're not a big fan. I know you're not a big fan of Candace Owens. I get it. I, I, I know you think she's too much Trumpy. Get it. But I think we need to get more voices, younger voices in there talking about our conservative values. And that I, really, I, look, truly I, I completely agree with that. Um, I do. And there are good voices out there um, who I think we should find and elevate, Jack. I do. And when you look at the data, we've definitely got inroads that we are making and need to sustain. Now, there are some breaking news, two fo- bits of breaking news happening right now on the show. Uh, it is now official. Georgia will go into a U.S. Senate runoff between Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker. Uh, that's a sticky one there for the GOP. There was a real protest vote. And, you know, one of the things I got right, and I, I will highlight some of the things I got right because there was so much me and everyone else got wrong. I and everyone else got wrong. Um, I told you guys about the 27,986 voters who refused to vote for president in 2020. They voted down ballot for all the other races. They just refused to vote for president. 
same phenomenon with about the same number of people has happened in the Senate race in Georgia. About 20-some-odd thousand people refused to vote for either candidate. It is very interesting that uh, the exit polling showed voters thought Raphael Warnock was more trusting, uh, more responsible, but he was also more extreme. He was considered the extremist. The Republicans will line up their attacks based on the exit polling, finding Warnock to be the extremist candidate. Your phone call is 877-973-7425. We do have to talk about DeSantis. We will at the top of the next hour. Right now, I want to talk to you about Americans for Prosperity that has been going out doing door knocking. Uh, They saw the independent voters breaking for Herschel Walker in Georgia before others did. It turns out the day of independent voters overwhelmingly voted for Herschel Walker. It was the uh, early election people who did not, and that shaped that race. Um, But they do a good job by being a do-think, not a think tank in Washington. They actually give you the message and and the tools to shape the message and the data and the knowledge to become a great conservative activist wherever you are in the country. So if you want to go to your school board and make an intelligent, um, persuasive sales pitch for good conservative public policy, they give you the tools, the research, and the education to make it happen. How to approach your state legislature. They do that. How to be a door knocker. How to be a volunteer. How to run for office. AFP can help you. They believe in free markets and free people. If you believe in free markets and free people, you may want to talk to Americans for Prosperity, and you can by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. They have chapters all over the country. They're not just in D.C. They're in your state right now. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. I have been doing a, a lot of even overnight. I mean, I was up at, at midnight, 1 a.m., sending out emails to keep people apprised of what was actually happening in the nation and what the actual data supposed to the polling prognostications were showing. So you would be set to go to the office this morning, the smartest person in the office. If you text the word data to 33777, you can subscribe. Just click that top link uh, and subscribe. Now, I want to work in some phone calls here. Joe. You're going to be up next on the Eric Erickson Show. Welcome. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I really, really love your show, and uh, I think I need to buy a lottery ticket because I listened to Rush Limbaugh for 29 years, tried calling his show probably close to a 1,000 times and never got through, and now I'm two for two getting through your <laughs> Okay, so you want to know the dirty little time. secret, Marshall? Um, in, in all honesty, uh, having filled in for Rush, I learned the secret. I have uh, seven phone lines that people can call in on. Rush had two. <laughs> oh, wow. That was it. Okay, it it gave a little more mystique. I've actually been dying to like uh, drop to two just so you could have the mystique. Because, um, look, I like talking to you guys. I actually do. But I realize that there is an allure of, oh, my gosh, I got to be on the show, as opposed to it, it's easier for people to get on uh, and even get access to the call screener. But, yeah, he had two lines. I got seven. <laughs> I've actually right. gotten more than that, but some we reserve for guests. Right. So, um the point, you know, this, you know, it's this is kind of disappointing based on the bar being set so low with such an absolute disaster area that you know that we, we had that everything was right for the picking. And you know, I totally agree with what you had to say about Trump. And I think that there's a lot of spokes on that wheel. You know, we touched on the abortion issue and some other things, but you know, the the, the candidates that were really strong. Uh, DeSantis, Abbott, of course, Kemp, uh, were, were strong. And, you, you know, you touched on the 
academics that were weak. But one of the things that, you know, I, I know Oz wasn't a great candidate, but when you look at how unbelievably bad the gubernatorial candidate for, for Pennsylvania was, and I can't remember his name, but, you know, just as Kev almost was able to carry Herschel Walker over the line because he was so good, the exact opposite happened to Oz in Pennsylvania because he made that race somewhat close, yeah. even though the gubernatorial race was a total Oh, that you know that that is such a good point. Um, Walker came very, very close to getting to fifty point oh one percent because of Brian Kemp, and undoubtedly Mastriano dragged down Oz, both of whom were advanced by Donald Trump, uh, and, and dragged them both down. It was it was a very bad night. But I gotta say, in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Republican Party is owed a lot of blame. Uh, the the Pennsylvania Republican primary voters are the ones who inflicted that on all of us. They decided they they really bought into the election conspiracy stuff, and they went with the most rabid candidates they could find. They went with Mastriano, and Mastriano dragged down the rest of the Pennsylvania ticket. Uh, it was sad to see. It was very predictable. So many people knew it was coming. Now, when we come back, I want to spend a little bit of time on Ron DeSantis and Brian Kemp, particularly Ron DeSantis. And we got to talk about Greg Abbott as well, because Abbott really did well in Texas. But I want to, I've talked about this before, but there's a little more to the story that now must be added after last night. We need to go back in time. We need to talk about the... um, 1998 congressional election because if Republicans want a path forward they actually do need to look to their history there are very close very close and I'm not alone in saying this I think I was the first one to point it out but I'm not alone in saying there are a lot of parallels to this election with 1998 when you hear the fact pattern of 1998 you may be surprised by what you hear, and you may also recognize that this means that Joe Biden's term, to some degree, is perceived as a third term for Obama, not necessarily a first term for Joe Biden, and that, to some degree, can explain it. Even though they're not getting uh, Obama-like policies, they're getting something closer to him than what they got with Trump, and independent voters decided they would rather that stability, even if they don't like it, than the instability of Donald Trump, even if it makes him rich. Uh, When we come back, I want to take your calls, and we need to talk about that. 